what's better than two professionals talking Flyers hockey? Two amateurs. This is Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now put the kids to bed and crank it up. Did we just become best friends? Yep. DJ, hit me. Podcast partner of phillyisflyer.com. This is Getting Bullied. I am your host, Mark Ginone, and along for the ride with me, as always, the smartest person that I know in the game of hockey, Mr. Dan Silver. Dan, what's up, bud? Not much, man. I'm just uh, watching a little, little bit of the Prospects game here. First intermission, 3-3. We'll get into that a little bit later. But hockey's back. Training camp has started. The rookies are skating around the ice. Everyone's talking about it. We got an injury to talk about. It's It's the best time of the year. It really is, and unfortunately for me, I had to watch the prospect game, or part of it, what part I did watch, on my phone, because my computer wasn't working, so that was a minor annoyance in an otherwise exciting time, and speaking of exciting times, Dan, we have some uh, we have some announcements that I just want to get out of the way right off the bat, some exciting stuff coming uh, not only from our angle, but also the Philly is Flyer angle, so... Uh, this year, we're, we're really going to be driving home a lot more content for uh, the listeners, for the readers, for whoever wants to see it. A lot more Phantoms coverage coming this year, and on my end, I will be launching, of course, in partnership with Philly is Flyer, the Philly is Phantoms podcast. Um, weekly show, same as this, covering just the Phantoms. We'll give everybody an update because people love prospects which we've found out this summer how much everybody loves hearing about that stuff so we're going to be talking all about the phantoms in that show and you know we're just going to be different people every week uh we'll get different guests and things like that so that's an exciting thing uh so you'll see a lot more coverage from philly is flyer uh just from that aspect or you know covering the phantoms and really diving in this year deeply into the phantoms goings on um my other thing, a little idea that I hatched up, is uh, giving you fans, the listeners of this show, the readers of Philly is Flyer, a chance to kind of vent, you know, at any time. If something goes bad, if something goes good, whenever you want to get something off your chest, uh, you could send a 15 to 20 second audio clip to gettingbulliedpod at gmail.com. I will edit them all together. I will bleep out what needs to be bleeped out. And we'll put it out there, you know, once a week or, you know, however often, depending on how many entries I get, and we'll go from there. So it gives everybody a chance to have their voices heard, complain, celebrate, whatever you want to do. So gettingbulliedpod at gmail.com will handle that. Dan, do you think I covered everything? I think we're good now? All the all the laundry? Yeah, man, I, you, you know, you may have to uh, extend that a little bit. But I mean, it's hard for, for the fans sometimes to get all their thoughts out in 20 seconds. You're asking them to be very concise, you know? Well, you know, you try to make it, you know, in the moment reactions, best of the best, whatever you, ha- you know, whatever you're feeling at the time, just go ahead and let it out. And I think that gives fans a really good opportunity to do that. So that'll be exciting for them. It's exciting for us. Um, someone's going to say it, so I'll just get it out of the way. It's very much biting off of uh, what a lot of the radio stations are doing now. I don't care. Because I don't work there, so that that is what that is. But do people? This is another, radio. Do I mean? I guess when I'm driving around, I now listen to like serious radio. Right. Maybe that's what you're referring to. Do people even listen to like like frequency radio anymore? Well, I do. Um, you I, do. Okay. 
I, yeah, I, I mean, I listen to WIP and 97.5 every day. Uh, I saw somebody on Twitter today complaining because, you know, they're still talking about the Phillies. The Phillies are done by all accounts. And, you know, everyone always gets pissed off about the two radio stations in the city. They don't talk enough about the Flyers. Well, that's what we're here for. And that's where, you know, that's what that that little audio clip that you can send in, that, that's what gives you your opportunity because – I don't know how it works with the radio stations. They don't really take many Flyers calls. I don't know if people are not calling in or if they just kind of shy away from that to fit whatever they're talking about that day, but that's what we're here for. So any Flyers thought you have, tweet it in at underscore getting bullied, at dsilver88, at Mark Flagman, or send your audio clip to the email gettingbulliedpod at gmail.com, and your voice will be heard because we're, we're a show of the people, Dan, and I think everyone knows that by now. The, I mean, North America, Sweden, you might get some calls from, you know, Felix Sandstrom's dad calling in, making some comments <laughs> in Swedish. That would be that'd be something. I'd have to. There's a couple of Swedish followers we have that would have to translate it for me, but I think I could get it done. No, uh, I think so. Yeah. So obviously it's a huge week in the world of the Flyers. Um, training camp starts Friday. Rookie camp started Monday. We're now Wednesday. The rookie game is currently going on against the Islanders up in what I can only imagine is some recreational skating rink up in Nassau County, New York. Um, testament to Flyers fans right there just watching that game, the little bit that I did. We, as Flyers fans, basically sold out the Wells Fargo Center for the rookie game last year, and it looks like they have about, I don't know, two to 300 people at a skating rink in Nassau County. So shout out Flyers fans with that. But the big news so far this week, other than all the camps starting up, is the injury that came across the wire on Sunday. And that was the six week lower body injury that happened off the ice to uh, everybody's favorite defenseman, Andrew McDonald. Of course, now the big question that is raised, does this clear the way for my boy, Phil Myers, to now take the step up to the NHL? By the way, the Phil's, Phil Myers fan club t-shirts are available online. Check that out at the Twitter. But I think this, you know, obviously this gives Phil Myers a huge opportunity, one that I don't think he expected. I don't think, you know, you don't ever expect an injury to occur, but something that if you hear him talking in the, you know, during the interviews and everything like that that they had after the practices this week. It sounds like he's ready. It sounds like he's really ready to hone his skills and step up to the next level. And, you know, we'll, it remains to be seen. All of it's going to come down to how he plays in these preseason games and in camp and everything like that. But a golden opportunity for Phil Myers. Dan, the, what, what to you, what's the likelihood that he shores up a spot on that opening night roster? I mean, I... You know, I have always been very high on Phil Myers to the point where I had him ranked ahead of Travis Sanheim on the Flyers prospect list going into last season. And quite honestly, I think he's good enough where if he's healthy, he should have been on the Flyers to begin the season anyway. So now you take Andrew McDonald out of the equation, and there's a couple of different options, right? They signed Christian Foline to be a seventh defenseman in the offseason. Now, a lot of Flyers fans, when McDonald got injured, said, hey, this is, you know, what's going to happen here is obvious. Dave Haxtell is going to put Foline in as in our top six, and, you know, TJ Brennan or something is going to be up as the seventh defenseman in the press box. But 
I think that Phil Myers is his talent is so undeniable and his physical presence. I mean, again, we talked about last year at the end of the AHL season, he was great in the playoffs. He set a AHL record for minutes played in a single game. Actually, we think it was a professional record in that was like a five overtime game where Phil Myers played like 66 minutes or something, right? Just something crazy. I mean, he's a physical beast. He showed up to camp. Uh, he's six, four, he's very tall. He put on some muscle. He's six, four, two twenty. And he was already at development camp, the most ripped flyer that I saw. Uh, now he's put on some additional weight. He's just such a talented defenseman. Plus, he's a right-handed defenseman, which everyone knows the Flyers need in their lineup. So I think there's a high likelihood that if Myers can stay healthy during camp, obviously he's battled injuries so far pretty much his, his whole career, which is, you know, he's a young kid, but he's had concussions. He's had some lower body injuries. He's had some upper body injuries. He's got to stay healthy. But if he stays healthy, he is so much of a better hockey player than Christian Foline that I think that he absolutely is going to work his way into the lineup to start the season. And I would uh, I'd say it's probably about a 75 to 80 percent chance right now that that Myers opens the season in the Flyers top six. Now, the the really interesting part is where is he going to play? Because. You know, everyone loves the ghost Provorov pairing. And I agree that it's most likely that those two will be kept together. They were dominant last year as a pairing. But that makes the other pairs a little bit tricky. Because if McDonald was healthy, you assumed it would have been something like maybe McDonald and Haig and Sanheim and Gudis. Take McDonald out. I don't think that – I just don't think that, that he's going to want to pair two youngish or two rookieish defensemen together like Haig and Myers because Sandheim will probably be with Gudis, you would think. And I'm just not sure they want to put a young kid like Myers with Haig, who is, you know, another pretty young kid who also is, I still have question marks about his ultimate talent level as a NHL defenseman, especially with the, the guys that the Flyers have in the pipeline. So one thing that you could potentially consider is at this point, Ivan Provorov is the best all around defenseman on the team. Uh, you could argue Ghost had a better year last year. They're both very good. But at this point, Provorov is so solid defensively, and Myers is the prototypical top-pairing right-handed defenseman that I could see them going with something like Provorov and Myers on one pair, then Ghost and Haig on another pair. And you've got to remember that when Ghost plays with Provorov, He's playing on the right side. And Ghost is a left-handed defenseman. He said last year when he was playing with Haig that he liked playing with Haig because Haig could play on the right side even though he's left-handed, which means that Ghost then is able to play on his natural left side. So you could have Provorov Myers, you could have Ghost Haig, and then you could stick with that Sanheim Gudis pairing, and then you've got three very good pairings. So just some food for thought there. But, uh, you know, either way, I think it's fairly likely that Phil Myers is going to open up the season with the Flyers. My biggest fear with him, I believe, you know, I, I believe the same thing, that it's just it's the obvious choice that he starts a season with the Flyers. Uh, but my biggest fear is we saw this in the past with Dave Haxall and how he runs his lines on the offense and the defense. I don't want to see him get up here, him make that opening night roster, and 
be in the press box, you know, because Christian Foline will still be there as your seventh defenseman. So I don't want them to – it all depends really, and you were talking about the pairings. It, I think a lot of it has to do with how married they are to that Proveroff gossip spare line. If they really love that, if they don't really want to break that up to start the season, I think that is – that's a negative for for Phil Myers because now they're looking – it's like you said, do they really want to have two very young defensemen on the same pair when, you know, that could open up – that can open them up to all types of, you know – bad things on the defensive side. So how married are they to Ghost and Provorov being on that line? Folin is, he's that guy, he's like now the Dale Weiss or something of the defense is how I look at it. He's a guy that I think that Dave Haxel might lean on a little too much. And if it's going to hinder Phil Myers, then I would rather him just be with the Phantom so he could play and you know, continue to hone his skills and to continue to get better because him just sitting up in the press box doesn't do anything because all he's really doing at that point is practicing with the Flyers. He's not playing. He's not getting ice experience in the NHL. So I think if they break up that top pair, which I think is very likely at this point, depending on or based on what is underneath of that top pairing, uh, I th- I think you're right that those pairings sound pretty good, but that's just... That's the one thing that scares me, makes me a little hesitant to him making this roster. I think that he, the path is there for him. It's it's at this point it's in his hands whether or not, you know, he grabs grabs it by the horns there and and seizes the opportunity, but if it's going to hinder him, if it's going to put him in the press box, I don't see the point in him even being on the roster and I would rather him just start with the Phantoms. Well, they know, I mean, look, the Hexel's already said that these the young kids are not going to be the seventh defenseman or the you know the um 13th forward i mean if if phil myers makes the team he's going to be playing now there's one caveat so last year brandon manning started the home or started the first game over sanheim and then he also was in the lineup for the home opener so it seems like for some reason hackstall doesn't like playing sometimes the rookies in the first game. So I, I would just say this. If Myers makes the team and Foline is in the lineup for the first game, Flyers fans really shouldn't panic because that just seems to be Dave Axel's MO. But uh, but look, but with your point about them taking away the ghost Provorov pairing, you know, that, that's going to be the same thing if Foline's in the lineup. <coughs> Excuse me. Because I don't think you're going to want Foline with Hay either. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I still think right. it's the likeliest scenario is that they keep Ghost and Prover up together, but we'll see. I mean, well, how deadly a line could the potential of Provorov and Phil Myers together be? I mean, we already know Ghost and Provorov is that's a formidable line. That's a formal top pair for the defense. If they if you stick a guy like Phil Myers with his with his skill set, along with the skill set of a guy like Ivan Provorov, first of all, that's going to help Myers tremendously because he's going to learn firsthand from one of the best in the game right now how to man that blue line at the top level. I, I mean, that's going to keep other other teams, coaches up and like thinking, how the hell are we going to get past that top line? If if Phil Myers comes in and he remains healthy throughout camp. And he shows a solid camp. He's solid in the in the preseason games. 
and he really starts to show his potential at the NHL level in this window that he has, that, I mean, that's scary for other teams to have Provorov, Myers, and then you go to the second, the, th- the second pair is no better. I mean, you literally have to worry about, at any given time on the ice, all five players on the ice have a potential threat to score goals, and that that's that's... That's awesome. That's what the Flyers wanted when they started drafting these these defensemen, guys like Sanheim, guys like Gossespair, guys like Myers, that have this offensive prowess and these offensive skills. It's exactly what the Flyers wanted. They wanted to be that complete of an offense to where, yeah, our, our three forwards are going to generate the offense, but you have to then account for our two defensemen because they can generate just as much and they are just as much of a threat to score as any of the forwards on the on the ice at any given time. Yeah, I mean, look, ultimately, I think that given the physical profile of Philippe Myers, it is such a workhorse. I think ultimately the top pairing will be Ivan Provorov and Phil Myers. Yeah. I just don't know if it's going to be that off the bat. But the point is that Provorov's the guy who you're going to be leaning on so heavily at even strength. And I'm not even sure if you want Ghost playing those type of minutes. Whereas Phil Myers is a guy that clearly will be able to play huge minutes at even strength. And then you could preserve Ghost for the power play by having him on the second even strength unit. So I think down the road, ultimately, Provorov-Myers is the ultimate top pairing and then you've got, you know, maybe um, Sandheim and Ghost maybe is the second pairing. Or if you want to split up those guys a little bit, you know, maybe they're not. But but I just think that Myers and Provorov make so much sense ultimately. I don't know if it's going to happen right away, but I just I love the idea of those two workhorses paired together. Yeah, I'm going to be a proud I'm going to be like a proud father if on opening night Phil Myers is in the lineup. He will. If he keeps the number that he's currently wearing, he will quickly become the second most famous five in Philadelphia. Of course, behind Donovan McNabb. Who knows if anyone will ever topple him, but that doesn't matter. Um, Maybe if he wins the championship. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Maybe if he doesn't throw up in game seven of the Stanley Cup finals in overtime. I mean, he's too much of a workhorse. If 66 minutes of ice time and five overtimes didn't break him, I don't know what will. Probably not. Phil Myers won't be throwing up at the end of the game like Don McNabb did. No, no, you're right. He probably won't have the DUI trouble that he did after when he's done playing like Donovan McNabb does. Little, Little jab in there at five. But So obviously we've talked about rookie camp starting up. Phil Myers, we know his opportunity. There's plenty of guys that we've talked about all summer. Carter Hart. Morgan Frost, Mikhail Borobiev, Isaac Ratcliffe, the list goes on and on. Everybody knows the names at this point. Let's talk about the big guy first, the man that I've dubbed the franchise, Mr. Carter Hart. Um, The one thing that I so far don't like about Carter Hart is his choice of the number 79 with the Flyers. I understand now why he's doing it. It's just an odd number. I don't like it. But, and when you hear him talk, I was listening to his interviews after the practices, and he just sounds so mature for where he's at in his career, for his age. He sounds like a guy that just has it figured out. He knows where he stands in the pecking order right now. He's not reaching too high. He's not reaching too low. He knows exactly where he is in the pecking order of goaltenders right now. He knows that there's two veteran goaltenders with the Flyers right now. 
albeit they're very inconsistent, and they will probably run into injury trouble at some point during the season, which could then open the door for him possibly, depending on how he's playing with the Phantoms. But he just sounds so focused in the task at hand right now, and, and that's bettering his game, and that's really going out and impressing. And obviously, he wants to make the he wants to make the main roster, but the numbers are just like, they're they're not in his favor right now because of who's ahead of him. And it's not that who's ahead of him has more talent. It's not that who's ahead of him is better than him. It's just that those are veteran guys signed to veteran contracts that you can't just go giving away and buying out and financially strapping your team. They both have one year left. So he, for the most part, as we all see it, will have to, if you want to call it suffering, he will have to be with the Phantoms for a majority of this season, barring injury, which will likely happen because we've seen it before with these two guys, with Elliott and with Neuberth, and maybe next next year is when he really makes that jump to be the full-time starter. But listening to Carter Hart, he knows what he has to do to make himself better at camp in the preseason and when he eventually goes down to the Phantoms. I have no worries about Carter Hart. After listening to him, after watching him play, I think, I, I mean, we say it all the time, but he really is, the, he's the full package. He is the complete package. He's everything that we've wanted in a goaltender for so long, and now it's just a waiting game for the for his Andrew McDonald opportunity that Phil Myers has, uh, hope, like, down the road, if that comes for Carter Hart, hopefully he can seize it like we hope Phil Myers can seize this opportunity. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think the only thing that that I would change about Carter Hart is something that you can't change, which is his size, because you know he's he's decent size I and mean, he's what six one six two. Uh, a lot of the goalies these days in the NHL that are very successful are sort of big goalies in the mode mode of like a Vasilevsky. You can't change that, obviously. But as you said, everything else about Carter Hart is there. His focus is razor sharp. He says all the right things. He's very mature. He's a tireless worker. As I'm talking about him, he's he's been standing on his head here in the second period of this prospects game. He uh, there were a couple goals he gave up in the first period, three to be exact, but uh, a couple were from right in front of the net. One was a deflection. He didn't have much chance on. He he looks a lot sharper here in the second period of this prospects game. Um, he is aside from the size, he is the complete package, and he's as as you mentioned. So for Flyers fans that don't know. He's probably going to wear number 79 for the Flyers. And the reason is that he is playing out on the West Coast in Everett. And uh, every game, there was a a seven-year-old autistic boy and a six-year-old um, who were at every game. And during, they'd usually wear the number 70 Everett jerseys, which is Hart's number there. But then one of them started wearing number 90, or number 79, which is the jersey that Hart wore at Flyers rookie camp, uh, Flyers development camp. And so Carter Hart just got used to seeing this youngster wearing number 79 at the Everett games. And so it sounds like he's going to wear number 79 when he's with the Flyers. He's going to wear number 31 for the Phantoms. Obviously, the tragedy with Pelly Lindbergh, no Flyer has worn 31 since then and probably never will. But, uh, but so that's the story behind Carter Hart wearing 79. And that shows you a little bit about, um, you know, Carter Hart's, personality and how genuine he is and, and and you know the emotion that that uh you know he can show that goes into a decision like that but um listen i think with a goalie transitioning to the professional game there are always question marks 
Hart has done, he had the most dominant season in the history of the Canadian juniors. He set all kinds of records. He's the first goalie to ever win three WHL goalie of the year awards. He's the first goalie to win two CHL uh, goalie of the year awards. And the CHL is the entire Canadian juniors, the WHL, the Quebec major junior hockey league and the Ontario hockey league. So he's the first one to win two of those goalie of the years. I mean, he's what he's done in juniors is unprecedented, but there's a lot of goalies that have been really good in juniors and have gone to the NHL and haven't been haven't been great. I mean, it's it's difficult to project with goaltenders. The only thing that's missing from his resume to this point is that he has not played against professionals. So that's what we're going to see this year. And, you know, I think that he will almost assuredly start the season in the AHL with the Phantoms, hit him and. Alex Lyon will likely be the two goalies there. I guess Anthony Stolarz, if he's healthy, is going to get some starts as well. But Carter Hart, it's going to be very interesting to see how he transitions to the AHL. I think there will probably be a little bit of a transition process. Maybe he comes in and he's incredible from the start, putting up huge stats. But I think it'll be a transition. And ideally, if Carter Hart is dominant in the AHL, and a Flyers goalie, you know, Michael Neuberth, maybe, or Brian Elliott gets injured because both of those guys have been a little bit injury prone, especially Neuberth. If, if one of them gets injured, uh, the Flyers are in a playoff hunt. I would say that, you know, there's a chance that we could see Carter Hart sometime during the second half of next season. But, you know, it's it's just as likely, if not more likely, that he's not the Flyers starter until 2019-20. So, you know, it's it's really going to come down to what he does this year. And goalies, it, they're a little harder to predict how they're going to transition to the professional game. So I am extremely excited about him. He's got everything you want in a top goaltending prospect. But uh, but he's he's you know he's got to prove it against professionals here. Yeah, that's what I really want fans to just kind of temper their expectations a little bit when the season starts and when when he starts in these games, because now at the professional level, everything is amped up. There's so much more footage that teams watch. There's so much more planning that goes into these games. So, yeah, if he comes out of the gates hot and he's shutting the door on everything, eventually things will even out because teams will eventually pick up on his quirks pick up how to beat them. So there's going to be likely there's going to be some ebbs and flows in this season. And when he hits those ebbs, when he, you know, dips down a little bit, I am there. Well, like there's sure I'm sure there will be people that start saying I know another flyers bus goalie and things like that. You just have to give this as just give it its proper time to play itself out. I mean, even watching this prospect game right now, the first period, the Islanders clearly came in, with a with a game plan and that was shoot high on him shoot high glove side and that's what they were doing they scored three against him and like you said he's been a lot better here in the second period so there's good i mean look it's called the professionals for a reason these are coaches these are scouts that have been doing this for a career have been doing this as a career they get paid a lot of money to figure out how to beat other teams and that's what they're going to do so carter hart yeah there's a chance that he comes out and he's and he dazzles, but there's also a chance that he comes out after all this preseason footage that you're going to see that he comes out and he's not what you expect right off the bat. 
Just give it time, Flyers fans, because I promise you it'll be there. It's not going to happen overnight. You can't expect him to jump from juniors to the pros and be Martin Brodeur. That's not going to happen. I don't think many people expect that. But just give it time, because when it when it gets going, when he clicks, when he hits his stride, it's going to be impressive to watch, and it's going to excite everybody. And that's another reason why I am so invested heavily in what the Phantoms are going to be doing this year, because we're getting to the point where these guys that are with the Phantoms are going to start making a strong push for call-ups to the Flyers, and I'm excited to see them progress as players with the Phantoms. So when they come up to the Flyers, I know what I'm getting. I, I want to just be able to know these guys. I want to get excited about these guys. It's going to be an exciting season already with the Flyers. Once you add in Carter Hart with the Phantoms, Philip Myers, you know, whatever he, wherever he's going to do, it, it, it amps up the excitement that much more. But my message is just give Carter Hart time. The ebbs and flows are going to be there. Just give it time, let it play out, and eventually the rewards will be there. So the other big thing out of rookie camp, another big thing with the Flyers roster, Mr. Dan Silver, is the center position. Obviously, a couple weeks ago, Sean Couturier suffered his knee injury. Um, If you ask John Boric, you know, a little confusion as to whether or not it was the same knee, you know, the guy actually asked Sean Couturier if he knew it was the same knee when it, when he injured it. Which was that confirmed that that was Borak who asked that question? I'm pretty sure it was. I I recognize his voice pretty well, and he was holding the NBC Sports Philly microphone. Could, so I'm like, okay, because because that's my that was my favorite moment of the week. Actually, there were two. So the first day of training camp, two of my favorite moments ever. Actually, with. It, you know, among Flyers reporters is so right first they're talking to Sean Couturier and someone asks him if he knew whether or not he'd injured the same knee as he injured in the playoffs and Couturier <laughs> looked at the person asking the question with this look of like incredulity <laughs> what yeah I knew which knee it was and like... the reporter meant the reporter meant to ask did you think it was the like this same part of the right, knee, right. but it came out. Did you think that it was the same knee? Obviously, he knows which knee he injured, dummy. Right. So anyway, that was funny. And then up oh, goal by I yeah, think Flyers, Flyers scored. scored a goal. Uh, might have been deflected in front. Um, looks like Lindblom's uh, leading the handshake line. Yeah, looked like Lindblom deflected that Philippe Meyer shot. So Lindblom and Myers have looked absolutely dominant tonight. Yeah, they straight. have. They've looked good. I but, mean, you mentioned. I'm, I'm, I'm slipping on who made the who tried to make the move on Phil Myers in the first period. Oh yeah, Joshua Hosang, who's, who's the most yeah. dynamic player on the Islanders, tried to make a move on uh, Myers, and Myers basically told him, you know, get out, get out of here. Yeah, I mean, you know, but, the um, players in the rookie game uh, are pretty good, pretty good prospects when they're already wearing a normal number like 26 for Hosang and not something in the 70s. But getting it oh, back yeah. to. So, that go into I think the Flyers just scored again. Yeah, they did. I, I think Lindblom just I think Lindblom just kicked one in. Anyway, so the other question was one of the reporters asked Carter Hart if he was looking forward to 2019. Like they're there, first day of training camp for 2018, and he's being asked if he's looking forward to 2019. And it's I don't know how these hockey players don't snap at these guys. They're so patient. He just was kind of like. I'm focused on today and this right. year. But who would ask a question like, 
I wonder yeah, if that was a slip of the tongue anyway. too. Like I wonder I if the reporter so. meant to that ask. That one I do. I do not think that was a slip of the tongue, because at all, because that's not, you know, it's just the way it was asked. I don't think it was a slip of the tongue. Well. So anyway, um, but you know, I think that uh, so the center position we were talking about. Right. Yeah, that, that's the biggest question mark. Right. The Flyers in the off season, the biggest question marks were third line center. Uh, maybe a winger and, you know, possibly a defenseman, obviously goalie, but they probably weren't going to add a goalie because they've got all these young kids coming up. Right. So they didn't sign a set. They signed James and Reemsdyke, a left winger to play left wing with Nolan Patrick on the second line. They signed him to the second biggest contract um, of any NHL player in the offseason, any unrestricted free agent changing teams Ben Reemsdyke had the second biggest contract so that le- there's still the hole at third line center you've got, obviously got Sean Couturier as the first line center and he, he seems like he's healthy he's skating already and then you've got Nolan Patrick as a second line center who we're all very excited about because he's finally had a full off season to train but uh third line center is up in the air and I would what I would do is I would put Scott Lawton at third line center I still I think that Scott Lawton has some untapped offensive potential, but I don't know if Dave Haxtell agrees with that sentiment. So that's I would have Lawton as a third-line center, and I would put Mikhail Vorobiev, who's the big Russian center. He's going to be a uh, – hopefully he'll be on the Flyers at some point this season. He was with the Phantoms all of last season. He led the World Junior Championships in assists uh, a few years ago, which not many players have done that, obviously. Um, and most of them have been very good. I think that uh, Connor McDavid led led an assist, and Tubo Teravayan. It's a, it's a lot of good players that have done that. And Vorobiev is a big, strong two way center. He's not going to hurt you defensively. He could stand to get a little bit more aggressive offensively and take more shots. But I think I thought he almost looked NHL ready in last year's training camp. So I certainly think that he's NHL ready at this point. And I think that ultimately with the Flyers having Couturier and Patrick and then probably either Morgan Frost or Jay O'Brien as a third-line center at some point down the road. I think Vorobiev's eventual role with this team is as a fourth-line center. And so I think why not get started on that now? And I would love to see him on the fourth line. And he would keep be playing with Michael Roffel and, you know, either Laterra or I'd like to see Nicholas Aube-Kubel mm-hmm. as another rookie. I don't know if they'd have two rookies on the fourth line to start the season. But – um but so that's what I would do. I would have Lawton as a 3C and Vorobiev as the 4C. Now, one thing that Ron Hextall has mentioned repeatedly in the offseason is he's mentioned Jordan Wheel as a third-line center candidate. Now, Jordan Wheel played some center in juniors and in the AHL, but in the NHL, he has pretty much only been a winger. And typically, and he struggled as a winger a little bit. You know, He was really good at the end of the 2016-2017 season. But aside from that, he's not been great in the NHL. And typically, it's easier for a guy to go from wing to from center to wing than wing to center because you've got to be a lot more defensively responsible as a center. You, you just got to be more cognizant of what's going on. It's a little easier to play wing. So I, it's a little strange to me that they're talking about moving wheel back from wing to center. And I have real doubts about how, how uh, effective he would be as a third-line center, much less as a fourth-line center. 
But they have mentioned it, so I think that they're probably going to give Wheel a pretty long look in training camp, and it's possible that you could have Wheel and Lawton as some combination of as the three C or four C. You could have Laterra potentially as the four C. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I would go with Lawton as three C and Vorobiev as four C. But I guess we'll see how things play out in camp. Um, this afternoon, Ron Hexall did a again a radio interview with. Uh, WIP's midday show, and one thing that I took from the interview was him saying that when they draft these these prospects, they draft guys that they believe have it. That they they, they don't draft project players um, to a certain extent. And basically, what he was what he was getting at is if a player's ready, if when they look at them on the ice in training camp and in the preseason, if they believe a player's ready, then he's ready. You know, they're not. So if Mikhail Vorobiev, which is a guy that obviously is going to be getting a lot of looks and it's going to be getting a lot of attention from the fans because of that open spot at the fourth center. I'm with you. I agree. Lawton makes a lot of sense. The third line center. Um, I wasn't too high on him going into last season. I thought he was just kind of a dud. Uh, but he, you know, obviously his time with the Phantoms two years ago really helped him out. He came into his own. He kind of like re reworked his game and the game that he's currently sporting, it really works for him. Um, Mikhail Vorobiev at the fourth line center would be tremendous just because you mentioned how good he is defensively as a forward. And, you know, that's such, that's such an asset. That's such a valuable asset in the, at the NHL level to have a guy. And they already have that guy at the first line center in Sean Couturier. But if you could have a guy, you know, at the top and the bottom of your lineup that you could count on, um, shutting down players on the other team because especially when you get into those road games and the coaches start, you know, when they start messing around with the lines and and the matchups and things like that, if, if you find yourself in a situation where you ha- you're going against another team's top line and your fourth line, well, a guy like Vorobiev out there with his defensive skills and, and and his ability at that end of the ice it's not gonna it's not gonna make you feel as nervous as you would if somebody else is out there so again you know Ron Hexall like he said if, if, if a guy is ready then he's ready so I think there's a lot of opportunity more so than I think in years past in this training camp for guys that are looking to make you know there's there's only so many spots there's only so many available spots at this point because most of the other ones are taken up. So the the center position is one where somebody could sneak in, and if they're good enough, then Ron Hexall has basically said that they're going to be on the team if if they show that they're ready, if they show that they're capable. All of these guys have to just go into this training camp with one thing on their mind, and it's make that make it impossible for the Flyers to send you back down. Make it impossible for them to turn you away and say you are not ready. And from what I'm seeing, even in this game, and take what you want from the rookie game, Robiebs looked good. Um, I, I think the whole team right now is looking pretty good. So there's a lot to be encouraged. There's a lot to be excited about when you watch these games and when you hear Ron Hextall say things like he did today on the radio. It gives you even more encouragement that they're not going to just be stuck in their ways. And another thing that he said that was huge in that interview. Is he says this season, I mean, he said he's not looking to take the leap to the Stanley Cup, but he's definitely he's definitely expecting this team to take a step forward. And you could see that with the signing of James Van Riemsdyk. That is a signing that says, yeah, 
we, we believe we're on the cusp here of really building a contender, and we're ready to take that next step. It shows me that he was very displeased, probably more so than anybody else, with how the season ended, both in the regular season and then in the playoffs, considering they went on a good run towards the end of the season, and the, the last couple weeks really flamed out and ended up losing a lot of ground and having to play the Penguins in the first round. And I think that he's sick and tired of these sneak into the playoff seasons and get your ass kicked in the first round. And he he's expecting this team to be handedly in the playoffs with, you know, with with a good chunk of time remaining in the season and also take that next step. That next step is obvious, and that's make it to the second round. So Ron Hexel's putting a bit of pressure on this team, and I think it's justified pressure at this point. Yeah, I'm I am so bullish on the Flyers this season. I think that Drew Couturier, Voracek are all going to maintain the same level of high play that they had last year. Barring injuries, I just don't see any reason that those guys would drop off. I think that, you know, Provorov, Gostisbehere, Stanheim, Myers, Haig, those guys are all going to keep improving. They're young players. Uh, Carter Hart just made an unbelievable save, by the way. I think that right. – um, I think that – Gudis can't be any worse than he was at the end of last year. I think he'll be better. Uh, then you go to the forwards, aside from the veterans I mentioned. I mean, Wayne Simmons is going to have to improve. Jay, you've added a 35-goal scorer in James Van Riemsdyk. Nolan Patrick finally has a full offseason where he's healthy to train. I'm telling you, when I was watching Nolan Patrick for a couple of years ago in the WHL playoffs with the Brandon Wheat Kings, he was dominant. Because I bought the package to watch Ivan Provorov. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God. I can't – I really wish the Flyers could somehow get the first pick in the draft next year so that we can take Nolan Patrick because he's phenomenal. He was the consensus number one at that point. And, and, you know, his draft season, he had some injuries. He drops down to number two. The Flyers luck out in the lottery. They get the second pick. All of a sudden, we've added Nolan Patrick. I think fans are going to be in for a treat when they see what he does this season. and. You know, you and then Travis Konechny, he's going to keep improving also. So you've just got, you know, and Lindblom as well. Um, it's, you know, again, third line center is one of the only question marks. I don't think Morgan Frost is quite ready to take the step up to the NHL yet. He's looked very good in this prospects game tonight, mainly on the power play. But, um, you know, I just, I'm so bullish on this team. And the only issue is the goaltenders. I'm hoping that, you know, it's funny as I read an article last week that the the Flyers have been keeping really close tabs on Brian Elliott and Michael Neubert this summer. They've both been down in in Philly a decent amount. Um, apparently the team has some policy where they can't eat pepperoni pizza or something. They're really monitoring their diets. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, I know. I, I, I read that in an article. That's but, some Chip um, Kelly stuff right there. I know. So I'm cautiously optimistic that our goalies might rebound a little bit. I'm worried because they're both coming off injuries, which is not a good thing. But mm. um you know, the, hopefully the re- rehab has been going well. Neuwirth apparently has been doing yoga every day. So a lot of that's all bullshit, but maybe some of it isn't. So, you know, I I just think this team is going to be so good offensively and their defense is going to be very good that they they had 98 points last year, which was obviously good enough to get in the playoffs. I don't see any way that this team doesn't improve four to six points. And that puts them right up there with the Penguins, in my mind, for the division lead. Yeah. So I'm just extremely excited about this season. I think the young kids are going to keep getting better. 
It's uh, there's not much to be pessimistic about. And then, of course, game one is going to roll around and Christian Foley is going to be in the lineup. <laughs> Phil Myers won't. Konechny will be on the third line. Yep. And, uh, you know, it'll Our all start over explode. again. Right. But right now, it's all rainbows and unicorns for me about this Flyers team. See, that's why I'm glad that I'm here because I could balance you out. Not that I'm not excited about this season. Not that I don't expect good things from this season, but... You know, every time I think about the Flyers, when I think about this season coming up, I think about the acquisition of JVR. The thing that I keep going back to is the goaltending. And, you know, you could say what you want about the new, you know, their diet and, and doing yoga and, and shit like that. I feel like every offseason you kind of hear, oh, well, this player changes training regimen. He's he's running up dirt hills 30 times a day or something like that. And. You know that's all that's all that's all well and good, but until that translate on translates on the ice, and I actually see an improvement in play, I'm always that's always going to give me pause, and that's always going to make me really worried for the for the success of this team. I, I tweeted out the other day as as excited as we are about the Flyers' offense and what we expect from them and the defense. The goaltending is good. I believe I really do believe it's going to make it a strain on the team to compete all season and the Flyers are going to score goals. They have the players on, you know, in their lineup that, that can put the puck in the net. But if they don't have the guy as the backstop stopping the puck from going in the net, it's going to make it difficult for them to compete. And I think they're going to be in another dogfight all year for points because of that. Now, could Brian Elliott get some of his, you know, get some of his top game back from a few years ago? It's possible. I don't really see that it's going to happen. But as long as, I mean, he played relatively well when he was in when he was in last year, and you know, he had he had the injury that left him out a good chunk of the season. So if he could stay healthy, I obviously feel a lot better about the situation with him in there than I would Neuwirth, but that, I mean, that's going to be such a problem for the Flyers this season. If those guys can't stay healthy and if they can't stay healthy, if they're not, if they're, you know, up and down and they're not giving the Flyers consistent playback there, it's going to be a huge issue for them. And you know, how many times do we say, it? but hopefully this is the last year we have to say it going into the season. But to me, I believe that two players in the lineup that are the biggest key to the Flyers' success. If they're, you know, if they're going to make that next step that Ron Hextall talked about this afternoon, the two players that I believe are the biggest keys to success are Travis Konechny, who I now have a new man crush, and it's Travis Konechny. I've realized that over the summer, and Nolan Patrick. These guys, they're two young, very skilled players that have great offensive games that both need to take their game to that next level this season and make the Flyers scoring depth even deeper because right now if you look at the top 6 as we as we think it's going to be if those two guys can play at their full potential if they could play as well as they are capable of then that makes the Flyers such a more dangerous team and it gives them another aspect to their offense that other teams have to worry about we saw you know, in, in in flashes last year, Nolan Patrick, his his vision with the puck, his ability to distribute, and as well his shot. If he could take that, if he could take that up a notch, that's going to be so much better for that second line. And Travis Konechny, if I assume he'll start the season on the top line with Couturier and Giroux, he adds such a dynamic skill set with his speed, his shiftiness, and 
We saw last season that he's not afraid. He, he really came into his own towards the end of the season, became less afraid to just fire the puck, and that's good. That's what you want out of him because when he fires the puck, they, they're they going to start going in for him. We kept waiting for him to break out last season, and it, it never really hit its full breakout. I expect that out of him this year. I expect a great sophomore season out of Nolan Patrick. So to me, those are the two biggest keys to the Flyers' success. They're going to go as far as those two guys will allow them to go. Yeah, and I think both those guys are going to have huge seasons. I mean, again, Nolan Patrick, it's his first offseason where he's had a full offseason to train. He he was a consensus number one pick for a while until the injuries happened. And Travis Konechny was absolutely electric after getting elevated to the top line last year. Hopefully he stays on that top line. Dave Haxall took him off of that top line in the playoffs with, like, Michael Raffle on it. It was a little bit strange. Yeah, but, um, you know, my biggest question mark about this team remains the head coach because I just am still Absolutely. not sold that he is the head coach to lead this franchise to a Stanley Cup. I think he's a passable head coach, and I think he did some good things last year. Look, he suggested moving Claude Giroux to the wing. He had arguably his best season ever. He moved Travis Connecting to that top line he put Ivan Provorov and Shane Gossespierre together so I think there were a lot of good things that Dave Haxtell did last year but he still sometimes gets in his own way uh, I don't like the way he handled Travis Sanheim particularly and quite honestly for me I think that Travis Sanheim is one of the keys to this flyer season because he has so much potential he's a potential top pairing NHL defenseman. I mean, on this team, he probably ultimately won't be just because of the presence of, of Ivan Provorov and Shane Gostisbehere. But Travis Sandheim has the skills to be a top defenseman in the league. And he also, though, has a bit, a little bit of a floor because he was exposed a little bit in the defensive zone. His, I don't think his coverage in the defensive zone is as good as a guy like Phil Myers, which was why I had Myers ranked higher than him last year going into the season i think that myers is a little more instinctual in the defensive zone and sandheim not quite as much but sandheim has so much offensive potential i think he's actually the best skater of all of the flyers defensemen uh, we've talked about this before he reminds me of peter forsberg in the offensive zone when he's got the puck he is just so fun to watch and if he gets confident this year I think that Sanheim could be a huge difference maker, even strength for the Flyers, and maybe on that second power play unit. So he's a guy that I think is going to be key to this team's success. Um, I'm just sort of at this point taking for granted that Konechny and Patrick are going to have really good years. I think injuries are the only thing that can derail those two players. Yeah, and look, you you bring up the head coach. There's so many things we could say about him. We've said so many things about him in the past. This is this is as pivotal pivotal a year as the Flyers have had in a very long time because when when the general manager comes out and makes statements like he did today on the radio for everybody to hear, it puts pressure on the team. More importantly, it puts pressure on the head coach because he's the one pulling all the strings here with the lineup. He's the one making the decisions. Um <coughs> excuse me. It's like you said, you know, 
he caught lightning in a bottle. That I don't I don't know if you could really say that, but he found something really good in Travis connecting on the top line. And then going into the playoffs, when it started to mean the absolute most of the season, he took him off that top line. And at no, and at no point in the playoff series did he move him back up there. So th- those are the things that you just watch and you, and you scratch your head and you start pulling your hair out and you're just like, what what is he seeing that apparently nobody else does? Apparently we're all seeing it one way and he sees the game a completely different way. But Ron Hextall, he's put the pressure on the on the head coach as far as I've as far as I see it going into this season. If he he wants his team to take a step forward, if they don't. I think this could be the last year for Dave Haxtell. I agree with you. I, he's not the one. He's not going to be the one behind the bench when this team inevitably wins the Stanley Cup. He's going to be that stepping stone head coach that so many franchises in this league and in every other league have had before they hit their stride as a franchise. And he's just, we're, uh, I, you know, two, three years from now, we're going to be looking back when the Flyers are making deep runs in the playoffs every year. We're going to say, remember Dave Haxtell? Remember the shit he used to do? It's the same thing with the Eagles. Now that they've won the Super Bowl and they have continued success, we look back and we say, damn, remember those three years with Chip Kelly, how shitty that was? Look where we are now. So it doesn't have to be this long process between Hackstall and whoever's after him. But whoever's after him, Ron Hackstall has to nail that hiring because that's the one. That's when this team's really going to start going because you're going to be getting guys like Frost. Myers will be there full-time. Um, Vorobiev, Hart, all these guys that we talk about as the future core, they're going to be ready to go, and you have to have the head coach in place that knows what buttons to push at what times and gets this team in the best position possible to win games, win playoff series, and win championships. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I'm not completely confident that that he's that he's not going to be here when this team is, is Stanley Cup competitive right so i mean let's just play this out okay this year i think that we're all expecting this team's going to be in the playoffs and and they might get to the second round right if they make the playoffs this year as they should and they get bounced in a seven games in the first round i don't think that dave hackstall is going to get fired okay either now let's let's fast let's fast forward to next next season they're going to be even better they might have have Carter Hart in the lineup. They're probably going to have Morgan Frost in the lineup. Phil Myers will certainly be in the lineup. Um, they're, they Maybe they'll sign someone in the offseason. They're going to have some money. So I think they're going to be even better the season after, and Pittsburgh's going to keep declining. So the season after, I think just on talent alone, this Flyers team might win the division. And now maybe they get to the second round and maybe the third round, and you know they get eliminated somewhere in there. I still don't think I think it's going to take something really dramatic, like the Flyers not making the playoffs this season or them to go you know, downhill fast next season for him to get fired. I just, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that he's a bad enough head coach to get fired unless something really goes wrong. And that'll be disappointing if it does. But I still think there's a chance that this team's going to have so much talent that he's not going to be able to screw up that, uh, you know, maybe they, you know, I think the only way I see him getting fired is if his team is just so good in a couple of years and he makes a number of boneheaded decisions that cost them in the playoffs. But their their trajectory is such that I have a hard time seeing them being bad enough where he gets fired. 
Hey, let's put it this way. It could be a lot worse. We could be Ottawa Senators fans. That is a that video fire. is something else. What? If, that, if any of the fans listening to this show haven't watched oh, the yeah. video that <laughs> the Ottawa Senators released this week, you got to go watch oh, it. It's like, one of the most amazing things you'll ever see. They basically I... they had Mark Borowiecki, who's their sixth or seventh defenseman, <laughs> asking questions to Eugene Melnick, the owner. Everyone knows they're going to be one of the worst three teams in the league. And Melnick's yeah. sitting there talking about all the rookies and – you know, it's everyone loves each other on the team and it thinks they're a playoff team. And, and Boretsky's sitting there, like, you know, agreeing because he has to because this guy signs his paycheck. Right. It's just the whole thing was one of the craziest things I've ever watched. It was so bad. And what got me, and I, I picked, like, I picked up on it immediately. This guy owns the team and he's wearing a jersey with a Reebok logo on it who stopped making the jerseys for the league before last season. So he's not even wearing – it's like he was about to go on, like they were about to hit play, and he was like, ah, shit, I should put on a jersey. That would look cool. That would that would inspire the fans. And he just put on, like, one that was hanging behind him or something, and the sleeve is just right there. And this is an official team video of this idiot wearing the old sponsor – on his jersey for everybody to see. It was hilarious. And he said he expects in two years that 15 of the 22 roster spots be taken up by current prospects. Does he? I, I, I don't think he understands what kind of turnover that really means. And if he expects success from that, then he is more delusional than I originally thought. Yeah, I mean, that was tremendous stuff. It, it was absolutely incredible. It was, I mean, it was like something out of slap shot. I mean, it was, if you would, if this had been on Saturday night, if this had been a Saturday night live skit, it, it would have fit right in. Oh man. I think that That's the fans would definitely, and then it was funny because I asked on Twitter today, well, what would be the equivalent of this? Who would be wise. asking the questions if it was Dave Haxtell? Obviously Haxtell is not the owner, but it would fit in well. And uh, Charlie O'Connor, who does a great job with the athletic, right. I guess had talked about it also. And he had said the equivalent, you know, would have been if the Flyers missed the playoffs and they had Andrew McDonald asking Dave Haxtell questions like this. Uh, and that was kind of like spot on. But yeah. it was, oh, man, it was it was great. The best answer I saw there was Briz to that question. Oh, that yeah. Be... Brizgalov. Could you imagine Brizgalov asking questions? That'd be great. Yeah. Um. So we put out the tweet before we get there's a couple other league points I want to get to, but uh, we put out a tweet uh, for fan questions. We got one. We got one good one. If you want to read it off, we'll kind of go over it. Give give the uh, give the listener a nice shout out and see what we could do with his question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this is a, this, I thought there's actually a really good question it came in from uh, one of our loyal listeners, DB. His uh, Twitter tag is at MatchPenalty21. Mm-hmm. And he said, at times, I've seen two to three other goalie prospects listed up above Carter Hart in some league-wide top prospect lists. Sandstrom and a goalie each from New York and the Islanders. Are we overrating Hart if some scouts analysts don't even have him rated as the clear-cut number one goalie prospect in the world? So this is a really good question right. because Corey Pronman, who's one of the uh, big big prospect guys, he's the prospect guy for the athletic. He, I think today he had Carter Hart fourth or fifth. might have even been fifth. Um, and he had him behind. So Ilya Samsonov for the Capitals was as far and away his number one 
uh, prospect. And then the guys from the Rangers and the Islanders are two um, Igors. I think Igor Shesterkin is the guy for the Islanders. And now nice. the, the other guy, I'm blanking on, so I'm gonna actually going to have to go look it up. But it's it's Igor Shesterkin and um, I don't even remember the other one. But so the point being that I'm pulling up the rankings right now. Um, oh, Sorokin, right. It's, it's ill. Um, uh, he had Samson up first and then Thatcher Demko for Vancouver second, Ilya Sorokin and Ilya Shesterkin third and fourth and Carter Hart fifth. I love the reasoning, all names. Yeah. The reasoning, first of all, you don't even know if any of these guys are going to come over to Russia. Like Samsonov is already over this year. He's playing in the AHL. So he is definitely going to be with the Capitals probably late this year or next year. Mm-hmm. The other, the two guys on the Rangers and Islanders, Sorokin and Shesterkin, they're in the KHL. You don't even know if any of these guys are coming over. So just for that reason, I would add Carter Hart ahead of them. But the reason that Corey Pronman has those guys ahead of Carter Hart is very simple. It's because those guys have been playing against professionals. They're playing against, you know, um, Ilya Kovalchuk and Pavel Datsuk over in the KHL. So those guys are already playing against pros. And goaltending, as we mentioned, it's very hard for these guys to transition to the professional game sometimes. So them having played in the KHL takes away some of the question marks. Whereas Carter Hart, there's still question marks about how he transitions to the pro game. So that's the only reason why Carter Hart was not listed higher. If Carter Hart has a really good AHL season, I can almost guarantee you that he's going to be number one or number two on everybody's list. So, you know, that's the reason why Corey Bronman and some other folks have Carter Hart below all of those Russians. But again, for me, just because you don't know if those Russians are coming over, I would have put him, I'd have Carter Hart second behind uh, Ilya Samsonov on the Capitals. That's where I would have him. So I thought that was a really good question. And I think that we'll get some answers as to Carter Hart this year in the AHL. And hopefully we get to see him in the NHL a little bit. Yeah, I'm looking back uh, when we did the episode last time with Alex Appleyard. We put, you put out a, a your list, Alex's list, Charlie O'Connor's list, Corey Promen's list, and Steve Corneanos. Corneanos. Yeah, his list. And Corey Promen was the only one that had Carter Hart outside of the top two. Um, Steve Corneanos list. I don't even put anything into that because that was. There's a lot of problems going on with that one. But I just think for whatever reason, um, and I think it's probably the reason that you said as far as playing against professionals, he hasn't listed fourth on his top, uh, I have 22 flyers list. Um, so I think, that, I think yeah, I think it's just a level of competition he was going against that may have him, uh, I don't want to say down on Carter Hart, but maybe you know, just not looking at him as highly touted as the other guys because of the names that you mentioned those other Russians are going against and things like that. So I don't I don't know if you how much you buy in how much people should buy into these lists because everybody looks at things differently. Um, this is the this is the test year. This is you know this is the real measuring stick year for Carter Hart with the Phantoms going up against professional talent. Um, this is where we're really going to start to see whether or not you know how for real he is as a as a goaltending prospect because. I mean, you've said it a thousand times. They're so hard to judge. They're so hard to predict. 
Uh, and this is the year that we're really going to start to see if all the hype is real. I believe it is. I know you believe it is. But it'll be, you know, it, it, it's just one more thing that we're going to have to follow along this this season. And we will be doing so um, on here on Phileas Flyer and on the Phileas Phantoms podcast, which will be coming down the road. So a couple other quick NHL points that I wanted to get to. Um, first, uh, how did you feel about the Max Pacioretty trade and then extension uh, to the Vegas Golden Knights? I thought that was a very good trade for both teams. So yeah, very even. Max Pacioretty has been you know, rumored to be getting traded for a while. He's a former, well, I mean, he scored 30 goals a couple years ago. Did not have a great season last year, but really no one had a good season on Montreal. Mm-hmm. And Mark Bergevin has gotten panned for a lot of the trades he's made. A lot of the trades he's made have been really bad. I think the P.K. Subban for Shea Weber trade was bad. I think that the uh, Mikhail Sergachev trade for Jonathan Drouin was very bad. But I actually thought he did pretty well in this trade because this, so he got a second round pick and Nick Suzuki from the Vegas Golden Knights and Nick Suzuki tore up the OHL last year. He scored almost as many points as Morgan Frost. He was taken in the first round before Morgan Frost. And the point I made, because there was an idiotic Yahoo writer who, who basically wrote a whole column blasting Mark Bergevin and the premise was that he was robbed in this trade um, the point is that if you look at all of the guys traded at the deadline last year Ryan McDonough and Rick Nash, all these guys and all the prospects who went the other way, Nick Suzuki is a better prospect than any of the prospects traded at last year's deadline and so for Montreal to get that type of prospect for Max Pacioretty, who's an unrestricted free agent and who's going to be leaving Montreal at the end of the season, plus a second-round pick, I thought that was a really good trade for for, uh, for Montreal. And then Vegas is obviously geared up for another Stanley Cup run, and Max right. Pacioretty should really help them. They Look, they lost James Neal, who's a big goal scorer, so Pacioretty can probably uh, patch some of that offense up. And then they re-signed him to a, uh, a team-friendly four-year extension. So I think that trade helps both teams. Yep. Um, All right, final point as far as the NHL as a whole goes. I saw two separate stories this week very recently with um, a few very big names being mentioned. And all three of these names that I'm about to bring up are impending free agents at the end of this season. And basically the gist of the stories were that the teams that currently have these players on, you know, playing for them, don't see it likely that they're going to sign them at the end of the season and may try to move them before the season even starts. We have, of course, the, you know, uh, to what many might say, the best defenseman in the game and Eric Carlson from Ottawa, and then a pair of Blue Jackets and Artemi Panarin, who me and you have spoken about a lot in the past. And I saw you bring up this next guy, if the Flyers are looking for goalie help, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. So... <clears throat> First, first, let me just say this. If there's a deal there to be made for the Flyers um, that is, that's not going to break the bank so much, and if they think, more so Panarin and Carlson, if they, if they think there's a deal that could be made um, in season with that player, if that's a player that they're interested in, I say go for it, especially Panarin. 
Carlson has had his, you know, his his lower body injury problems recently in the past, so that scares me away a little bit as far as investing in him long term. But a guy like Panarin, if you plug him into this lineup with who's already on it, if they could get him before the start of the season, they could lock him up long term. I'll talk about this all year because I really I think there's a really good shot the Flyers could end up with him if they are so interested and if they are so inclined to make that move. Um, but I think if there's a move that he made before the season starts, I say go out and get them. I don't know about, you know, Bobrovsky, how much are you going to give up for a guy that you may not sign at the end of the year because of the goalie prospects you have coming up? Um, it's more of an, that's more of an interesting name, more of an outlier, but definitely a guy like Panarin, I would love to see the Flyers go out and get before the season or during the season. I, mean, I love Artemi Panarin. He's, I've said many times, I think he's one of the most underrated superstars in hockey. He, I couldn't believe the Blackhawks traded him. He's super skilled. He's fairly young. I would love to see the Flyers get him. I don't think that the Flyers are going to add a major piece before the season starts because you're going to have to trade away a lot to get someone like Artemi Panarin. You're going to have to trade Travis Konechny and Morgan Frost or Travis Sandheim, Morgan Frost, and a pick. Like You're going to have to give up a ton to get a guy like Artemi Panarin, and, and I just don't see Ron Hextall doing it. What I think I could see as potentially being more likely is the Flyers are going into the season with $10 million of projected cap space. That's going to give Ron Hextall a lot of leeway as the season goes on and at the trade deadline to take on a, you know, a fairly big salary and not have to give up a big salary in return because a lot of times teams are near the, the cap and so they'll trade for a big guy, but then they also want to give away some dead weight salary and then they have to trade even more to that team that they're getting the really good player from. They've got $10 million in cap space. I could see a scenario where the Columbus Blue Jackets, because of these two big contracts that – are these two big players who are unrestricted free agents, the Panarin and Bobrovsky. Maybe that team doesn't play as well as they maybe could this year. Maybe they trade Panarin to someone else at the beginning of the season and they struggle. And the Flyers are in desperate need of a goaltender at the trade deadline. And I tweeted this out. I could see a possibility where the Flyers maybe make a move and get Sergei Bobrovsky. I, look, there's never a big market at the trade deadline for goalies, so I don't know how much the Blue Jackets GM could command in return. Like You could maybe, I think a guy like Tanner Luzinski, who's a really good prospect and who I think is going to have a monster season at Ohio State this year as a junior, I think he's going to be a Hobie Baker finalist. You could maybe trade a guy like Tanner Luzinski and a third-round pick or a second-round pick and potentially get a Sergei Bobrovsky. And that would be some kind of storyline if Bobrovsky comes back to the team where everything started here in Philadelphia. And even if it's just as a rental, if it gives this team a really good chance to win a Stanley Cup, I could see Hextall doing something like that. I think that that's one of the reasons he's going into the season with cap space. But they've got to sign um, Ivan Provorov and uh, uh, Travis Konechny at some point coming up here but it doesn't have to be until after this season. So they could sign a guy who's going to be a unrestricted free agent at the, the end of the year, and that money will come off the cap at the end of the year and could really help them with a playoff push. I don't think Ron Hextall is going to give up a premier prospect or a first-round pick, but 
I think that it's possible that he gets, you know, a, you know, a, a decent player and maybe even a Bobrovsky type. The other guy I mentioned who's an unrestricted free agent is Pekka Rene, who just won the Vezina Trophy. So I can hear the listeners saying, damn, he's nuts. Nashville's not going to trade him. Well, here's the scenario. Nashville has a very good young backup goaltender named UC Soros, who might have been better um, than Rene last year during the regular season. I mean, Saros is very good, and Rene's an unrestricted free agent. I don't know if they're going to want to pay him. I could see a scenario where Nashville potentially tr- uh, makes UC Saros the starter and ends up trading Rene at the deadline instead of losing for nothing. It's possible. It's, it's probably not a likely scenario, but it could happen. I still think the Flyers' biggest weakness is the goaltending position. So that could happen. And by the way, uh, Mikhail Vorobiev just scored a goal. So the Flyers are now up 6-3 against the Islanders' prospects. But anyway, that's my two cents. I'd rather the Flyers wait for the deadline and maybe go after a goalie. Well, Flyers cruising to victory tonight. Hopefully they don't blow that. I don't see that happening. Uh, Dan, I have some more news to pass along. During the recording recording of this podcast, we have locked up our 10th man for the Getting Bullied Fantasy League. Wow. That's tremendous. There you go. First year doing this, threw it out there uh, about a week ago, and you know we got we got ten members. Well, nine. Me and you were going to be co-running a team, and then obviously the winner gets to come on with us next off season. You know, for for an episode and co-host, so that'll be fun for them. Um, so exciting stuff there. That's good stuff. Thank you to everybody who participated and you know enter the league and you know for listening and on all that good stuff so thanks everybody for that um so i think dan i think we covered a good bit i think we've i think we've taken up enough of the people's time uh the good stuff today thank you as always we appreciate them listening to us blather on <laughs> you know it's it's true we've got some really loyal listeners yeah we it's do great. it's exciting to see because we've only been doing this a little over a year and uh obviously we're still in the infancy of this whole thing and you know like i mentioned at the at the at the jump of this thing this season there's going to be a lot more going on not only from the podcast angle but more so from Phileas Flyer and another note to pass along um Phileas Flyer is looking for members contributors editors photographers so if you are any of the above if you want to be a part of Phileas Flyer um you contact i guess you could just go to Phileas at Phileas Flyer um, or Anthony DeGrazio, who obviously the founder of Phileas Flyer, you can find him on Twitter and get linked up with him, and hopefully hopefully we can welcome you on. So a lot of exciting things there. The Philly is Phantoms podcast, which will be coming later, and, you know, later this month as that season starts to get going. So there's a lot going on, a lot to be excited for. Uh, pre- and post-game and stuff like that will be coming this season as well. Uh, from not only me and Dan, but everybody else at Phillies Fly. We're going to get everybody involved, get everybody's opinions heard, including you. Get on that email, gettingbulliedpod at gmail.com. Give us your 15 to 20 to 30 second audio clip about anything you feel about the Flyers, good, bad, or indifferent. Let us know. I'll edit the best of the best together, put them out every week or more, depending on how many I get for everybody to listen. So there's all the plugs on everything you need to know about what's going on with the Getting Bullied podcast, phileasflyer.com, all the good stuff. And now I turn it over to 
Dan Silver to give his own shameless plug. Yeah, shameless plug. You can follow me on Twitter at, at dsilver88 and uh, check out all the great content at philliesflyer.com. My latest piece was the Flyers' top 20 prospects. I've uh, been trying to find the time to work on a Flyer State of the Union, but uh, haven't found it yet. Got a lot of stuff going on, but hopefully I'll be able to get to that at some point here. Um, if not, stay tuned on Twitter, D, at dsilver88, and I'll uh, try and give you some statistical nuggets and all kinds of fun, uh, snarky comments. Absolutely. Always with the snarkiness from Dan Silver. I love to see it. Um, but as for me, you can follow me on Twitter, obviously, at markflagman 2 ends. Follow this show at underscore getting bullied. On there, you could find the link for the T Public account where you could be an owner of a Phil Myers fan club t-shirt, a beautiful piece of clothing to dawn on your body during the season as we watch Phil Myers grow into his own as an NHL defenseman, and that will be very exciting. So check that out as well. That is my final plug. Again, as always, thank you for listening to me and Dan ramble on about the team we love, the Philadelphia Flyers. Until we do it again, let's go Flyers. Good night, Sweden, and rest in peace, Mac Miller.